everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show, you. Today we'll be covering the fourth episode, titled The Captain. Captain, oh captain, my captain. Is there a poem called that? I just think of like the Biffy song, Captain. Oh, I didn't know there was one. Yeah, it's pretty good. If you, if you like good rock music, Biffy Clyrell, Scottish band. Pretty oh, awesome. really? Scottish yeah. band. Yep. Okay. I have never heard of them, but I'm definitely going to check them out. Well, I'm I'm excited to talk about this one because we get a few interesting little twists um, on this one. So why don't we get started with our top five and why don't you kick us off this week? All right. So my number five is kind of uh, the tone that they put in this episode. So last episode we had where we had a little bit of a build up release that happened probably a little quicker than both parties wanted. Mm -hmm. And so we jump right in and we are getting the scene from her perspective. We're getting into Beck's inner thoughts. And so I love that the, the show's kind of done from both perspectives. So we're kind of getting a little bit of behind the curtain from Beck. Um, I'm not sure if I want this to be a common thing. Well, I think in a one-off episode that works pretty well, but I hope we Mm -hmm. don't see like, uh, behind Peach's curtain, like let her talk, like in her head or anybody else. Like I think if it just keeps these two, maybe her one or two other episodes um, would work out pretty well. But mm-hmm. I really, I, I more gravitate towards liking J- uh, Joe's perspective in that way because it's kind of the thing where I want Beck, I want them to still be a little mysterious. Like I don't want to know all the cards that they have mm-hmm. as much as like we know Joe. Like we know Joe's motives, we know what he's doing. I kind of just want that to be Joe's thing and not anybody else's. More so just because like I want the mystery to be there for the other characters. Like I want that to be exposed to me at the exact same time it is for Joe. Which it, it was in this episode. Like I think they did a great job with, you know, as she's thinking about this scenario, she's uh texting somebody that she calls the captain and you know, is talking about like an outfit and you know going to mm-hmm. see him and um I was this might uh, actually I'll save off on that, but I do like that we got to see kind of both perspectives, and they did a good job with keeping her stuff still a little mysterious. I agree, and yeah, they, and I think they've done that. Even though we've had up until this point Joe's perspective and voiceovers and his narrative, um, his thoughts. So it's like we know what's happening, and we know what's going on, and we know he's definitely very shady and creepy. And Beck does not know, but he's still, I think, a mysterious character. We still don't know yeah. a lot about Joe oh, yeah. and, and where he's coming from, but we did get some nice perspective from Beck. And I thought that it was nice little twist that we get, you know, that uh, when the uh, episode starts that we get Beck's inner voice, um, considering this is kind of like a, you know, her centric type episode here that we get a little bit more of a backstory and kind of find out some of the secrets that she's been keeping and, uh, things that she hides in her life. And it just kind of goes into more of how, you, you know, and she even admits it in this episode, how she, she feels like a fraud and she pretends to be something that she's not. So she's more likable or something. And um, so I I did like that. Um, I think it made her slightly more relatable and it was kind of nice getting her perspective this week. So I liked it. Yeah. It's kind of interesting too. When you think about like Joe kind of knows like every aspect of her life, but this is something that even he can't, you know, Mm -hmm. trespass into, like he can't get into her head and know her inner thoughts. So I think that's kind of an interesting 
tweak to that because we're kind of exposed to all her private life as well via her right. social media, phone, text messages, what he's discovered. Right. But, through Joe, we're finding it all out, not through yeah, her. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And even this, I mean, if you kind of look at it, like we have a one up on Joe, like we know her and her thoughts, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of an interesting play there as well. It was, and I liked it. I think it was a nice little twist. Um, the only thing that kind of bothered me, something that kind of stood out, is she has this uh, way of speaking where she's all just really breathy and always <laughs> sounds like she just kind of woke up from a nap. And just and it's like, I get that she talks like that around Joe and her friends, but she's talking like that even when she's like talking to us. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little, it's just kind of like, what? She's an <laughs> That's odd okay. duck to say the least. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really curious, like these next few episodes when Joe starts to find more and more out about her if it's going to be you know this pedestal he's put her on is you know a pedestal made of skeletons and not you know yeah maybe he's propped her up up there too high in his thoughts Mm. because he he certainly you know does a lot for her and um holds her in high regard so i don't know it'd be interesting to see if she should stay there um but i like it that's a good number five yep so my Um, number five is just that we got kind of both perspectives I like it. Yeah, it's we're getting deeper um, as we're going on for sure. Uh, well, you mentioned him already. So my number five, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the captain. And I, I, I can't help but feel in the beginning here when we are like, well, the captain, who's this guy? You know, I feel a little misled by the situation. And was it just me or, or did it feel like we had a bit of a sugar daddy situation yeah, going so on. Yeah. This ties into my number four. So I have lots of thoughts on that and I kind of held off on. But um, when when we see that text happening, like you don't know that it's like somebody of relation, um, right. like, a, like a blood relation kind of thing. And she talks about like he asks like, you know, do you have the outfit? And, and all of a sudden she has a $500 deposit into her account. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he says, love you. And she, in her head, she's like, tell him what he wants to hear. And the line that made me think like sugar daddy was she said something like, um, if you're going to act like a whore, you might as well dress like one. Exactly. Yeah. And, she went outfit shopping. Yeah. And so that's like, I honestly, like there's, there's a few times in this show where in the beginning it does something. I'm like, I just don't know if I like this. Like, I don't know if I want to go down this path. Mm-hmm. And and this was one of them. Cause I thought like, okay, are we getting a situation where she goes like to these websites where it's like, get your sugar where, you know, you find a sugar daddy, you go visit him once a month and he drops money. Wait. There's a website for that? Yeah. Oh, you can get well, Sugar Mamas, too. S- like it, send me that link. No. I'll send it to you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's like this big uh, um, like social movement where these you know college girls go out with these rich guys. And mm-hmm. essentially, it's kind of like the escort service where it's like, well, I mean, you know, he pays me for my company. He pays me to go out to dinner to take him to these functions. You know, he doesn't pay me for the sex. Like, we don't have to have sex. We always do. But that's not what he's paying for, even mm-hmm. though that's exactly what he's paying for. Sure. And so I didn't really want to go down that path with this. I know it's a real thing and real, you know, it happens, but I felt like that would just kind of make me, I don't know if I'd say think less of her, but definitely kind of. Or maybe too cliche. Yeah, cliche. Exactly. Yeah, to just be mm-hmm. like, you know, she's this broken girl who does this thing and she, you know, uses sex to get the stuff that she wants and. Um, I just didn't really want to go down that path, I guess. I didn't want to either, but you know, I and I have it here in my notes that I feel like it almost would have been kind of fitting to her character, though. I mean, she 
it wouldn't surprise me when I saw these texts and saw this um, interaction between her and the captain in the very beginning there when she's hiding in the bathroom after this terrible sex encounter with Joe, um, you know, that did not go very well. And she's hiding in the bathroom and you see you hear her thoughts and then you see the texts and you're thinking, oh, well, of course she has a sugar daddy. That's what I was thinking. I was like, well, of yeah. course, of course she does, because that's just one more thing to add. You know, she has this terrible like boyfriend in Benji. She picks all of these wrong guys. She's completely broke, struggling for cash. She's a beautiful young woman, you know, um, just out of college. Why wouldn't she have a sugar daddy? Yeah. You know, someone that she sees on the side sometimes and he helps her out with, you know, some expenses and finances or just gives her money or whatever. So it, it seemed kind of fitting to her character. Um, so it, it didn't really kind of surprise me, but you know, then we find out that it, you know, like, Hey, she's got a secret of her own and it's not a sugar daddy, but it's her real, real daddy. daddy. Of course yeah. we don't know this f- until later, but, um, it, like you said, it was quite creepy um, with just the wording of it and, and um, you know, not really wanting to tell him that she loved him and then talking about, well, if you're going to whore yourself out, you might as well dress like one. It was just yeah. kind of well, creepy even, all around. So, like, she shows – so that's, like, the whole kind of – I mean, the, the show set you up for this. They set you up to have yeah. this mindset, like, you know, she's going for this sugar daddy. She's at this, like, real sketchy, you know, hotel – I don't remember she mentioned anything about a wife or anything when she's there, but you know she's in the hotel and she's like, "Well, what is it about hotels?" You know, and she starts getting ready to get busy with herself. She's like, "He's always late," and <laughs> yep. so like you know, you could be like, "Well, I mean, if you're about to hook up with somebody that maybe isn't good, you might be like, well, I'm just going to get one out, so I'm I'm at least satisfied.'" Right. And he shows up and he's in a really weird outfit. Like it looks like he's, you know, a host of like one of those pirate ship cruise type things <laughs> that you know all the the midwest lakes and rivers have yeah and he walks out and i'm like oh god like it's like is it is it even That's worse than you think exactly and then she walks out in that outfit. was she in the outfit yet i don't, know, I don't think she was in the outfit yet yeah, she, she wasn't was in the outfit close. yet but she yeah. walks up and then she's like oh hi dad or daddy i can't remember if she said dad mm-hmm. or daddy but instantly like again even then i'm like oh but her dad's dead like is this like some like even weirder thing like I, I know there's I a was, thing now uh, yeah young young girls are calling their boyfriends or the guys they're hooking up with they call them daddy what it's well, it's been a thing for a long that? time but has it i feel yeah. like it well then maybe i've been out of the loop for a while i feel like i've been hearing that for maybe a year now or so so if it's been around longer than that i haven't been exposed to it yeah. but since i have it it irks me out. Yeah, <laughs> slight like slight TMI, but when I was uh, in high school dating a girl and we were mm, we were having uh, relations? <laughs> sure, yeah. I was trying to think of like a very like we were studying the Bible. Right, of and course. And she said that and I was like, "Oh, uh, yeah, we kind of have to stop now." Like that did, yeah. Did, did, it all things the halt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but so I was like, is this like some dude's creeper like fantasy type thing and Ugh. and it took a little bit but it's like, "Oh, no, wait, this is actually her dad." And like I said the show's done things where it sends me down a path that I'm like, "I don't want to go that way." But mm-hmm. then they have like, "No, take a left real quick." And you're like, "Oh, okay, I see what you're doing. This isn't what I thought." So, I will continue on this journey. Yeah, I'm I'm okay so far. I don't know that I like how far they took me as far as misleading me, but um, I'm okay with where it's going so far. I think it's certainly an interesting twist anyway with um, with some insight into Beck and her past and so on. So, 
That's my number five. I know that was part of your number four. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add to that? Yeah, so that's with with my number four. I mean, you kind of see, I think it's interesting that she's kind of, you know, the unwanted stepchild in this. Yeah. And we see that, and this will lead into my number three a little bit, was um, is more of the story of her father. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've heard the story that she found him, needle in his arm, and was dead. And we find yeah. out that that is true. Like he was basically dead. They saved him and then he kind of left again because he relapsed. But we find out that, you know, when that happened, she he became dead to her. Right. But what we don't find out until this episode is that he went, he got clean. And as he's getting clean, he found this, you know, female woman that's this blogger who's like, you know, very into the church. And she's um, using his story to kind of help promote her blog. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, you look at like her like social media stuff is kind of very like trying to get likes, trying to get all these follows and stuff. And and here's a woman that is kind of her adversary to an extent doing the exact same thing. You know, You're right. It's, yeah. it's a very, I mean, it's weird that this, this mindset of a lot of people, it's a very viral mindset. It's like, if I can just go viral, if I can just get this, like I can be famous. And, and that's what she, her stepmom was doing in the sense, taking the story, putting this feel good story out there, putting a, you know, makeup on it, even though behind the scenes, it's a, probably a crap show because it, it seemed like the mom wasn't very <laughs> Christian. She seemed like she had a lot of ang- angst against the daughter. Yeah. Um, we find out that she's pregnant too, which I think is kind of crazy because they seemed a little bit older. Not that older people can't have kids. I think Richard Gere just had his something kid at the age of 69, which you yeah. do the math when his kid graduates high school, he's going to be like 82 or no 87. Kidding. But it's different for guys. Guys can keep, you know, firing it off. And yeah. women, though, it's harder, though, because, you know, it's harder to get pregnant when you're older. It's always higher risk when you're older. I don't know how old she is, but she has, you know, her daughter looks to be teenage years. So yeah, I at least. You know, I don't know how old that makes her because, you know, you can be a younger mom. You could be a little bit older, but she looks a little bit older. But, yeah, it's it's it. That was an uh, interesting situation learning that. They were pregnant, being an older couple. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that, I mean, Beck and her dad were having this conversation of like, it seemed like a pretty happy time before this new family. Yeah. And I don't know if he couldn't actually remember or if he was acting like he couldn't remember because he knew it made his wife mad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel, I, I mean, one time you kind of feel bad for Joe, but like there was a very like awkward dinner moment between Beck and her stepmom. And yes. Joe kind of sits there and glares. And to me, if we if we heard his inner thoughts that moment, he's like, oh, jackpot. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna throw some romantic lines, and then boom, I'm gonna be in like Flynn again. Although gonna when he did hero. that, yeah, when he did that, <laughs> he kind of got kicked to the curb. But Yeah. Um, I mean, what what do you think about that whole like story with with the her and like the family kind of scenario situation? Uh, I found it really relatable, actually. Um having been through a similar situation myself uh, with, you know, a father abandoning you um, and kind of, you know, writing you off and then, you know, kind of fixing himself, you know, and then going off and getting a new family. And, you know, you're just like, hey, what about me over here? Um, So, you know, kind of going through a similar situation, it was certainly kind of relatable. And I can certainly see where, you know, Beck is coming from. I think that this is probably one episode that, you know, because I've kind of given Beck shit the entire time (laughs) since we've started talking about this show. I admit I never liked her that much, but um, I really felt for her um, 
I won't say it kind of gives her a pass in any of her behaviors or anything because we need to we need to be responsible and be accountable for our actions. And I'm not into like, oh, well, I have daddy issues so I can go and, you know, this excuses all of my behavior or whatever. I don't believe in that. But I think that it, it helps give a better understanding of her background. Um, and I can certainly understand why she tells people her dad is dead. Yeah. I mean – I do. I, it's 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 terrible if you've never been through a, an experience where a parent has abandoned you, whether it's your mom or your dad, or maybe both. Um, you know, it's it's a terrible feeling, and especially if um, you know, then they kind of forget that you exist and they move on, and uh, you know, and then it's like you know, they just kind of forget that they have this whole family. So, you know, I thought it was an interesting exchange. I've had a similar exchange with a stepmother, um, yeah. <laughs> not quite as public, not quite as outspoken, but I know it was enough uh, that I had my words and got up and <laughs> left. And <laughs> um, So I can relate for sure. I thought it was really interesting though. And I'm glad Beck said what she had to say, because I think it was well-deserved. Like you said that, you know, her Christian stepmommy blogger uh, wasn't very acting very Christian-like. I feel like, you know, she should be more accepting of Beck. She didn't seem to want to welcome back into their family at all. She seemed to be quite okay with, you know, not having her around. And I think she's just doing what Beck is doing on the other side is just pacifying their father. Like, well, he wants to see her. So, okay, we're going to do it. We're just, we're going to put on our happy faces and get through this, but she doesn't really like her. She doesn't really want her to be there because then, you know, she's just a reminder of his old life. And, you know, she wants, you know, him to be fully focused on, her kids that she's had with someone else because it says that she's a divorcee. Um, and then also the b- new baby they're getting ready to, to, you know, to to bring along. She doesn't want that focus. She's a threat, Beck. And I guess her other siblings, we learn that she has two other siblings as well. Um, you know, they're kind of a threat to the stability of her family life and their perf- perfect family life too that she's, I think, kind of seeking. So I, I, I thought it was pretty real. That was a real moment. Yeah. I kind of, the only thing that makes me a little nervous is uh, we've had a few, you kind of mentioned it earlier, like cliche kind of, you know, like it's the overzealous, uh, you know, Christian mom kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I worry a little bit. Maybe that's just kind of this first season because I know there is a second season. Mm-hmm. Um, I just worry that we're going to run into a lot of those like very cliche things. And I hope, I hope we don't. Like I hope the writers are a little bit more creative than that. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, it fits the story that we're talking about right now. You know, yeah. she, you see, you know, she's got issues with her with her family, and um, you know, usually a lot of times too, whenever somebody has substance issues, usually they end up, you know, looking towards religion to help them get out of it. Sure. Um, although I don't know, it, they don't really say it outright if if he found a church and that's what helped him clean up, or he cleaned up and then kind of found her because that that's what Beck alluded to is like saying, "Hey, he was clean when he found you. I'm the one that brought him out of the depths of hell, essentially." And right. then you got to reap the benefits. So I, it sounded like he joined an NA group, like Narcotics Anonymous, and many of those groups, like AA and A, are church sponsored. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like this was an NA group that he found when he was getting clean. Um, that was church sponsored. Um, sounds like that was successful for him. Became more involved in the church, and then that's how he met this um, this woman can't even think of her damn name right now, but um, it's how he met her. And, and then they were married in less than a year. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, that leads into my number three a little bit is just kind of the story of her father. Story of the father. All of us girls with daddy issues. 
<laughs> Which again, like when she comes back, when she comes to Joe's house and she says something about like girls with daddy issues. That uh, are good in bed. Yeah, that's terrible. That's, like, uh, that's terrible. Like, yeah, I'm like, mm, I, right. I didn't like that. Let's go get some coffee and like try this again. Yeah. yeah let's, I just, can we just restart? Yeah. Go back. <laughs> not, yeah. Hit the rewind button on that one and start yeah. over. I didn't like that line at all. And I mean, I'm like, hey. They, they started know. this episode off with a nice little like tease at the hotel room with her by herself. And then they end on that. And you're like, ah, all right. Well, now I they're know. doing it. But I still like you said that. Like, I can't wipe that from the record. I know. It's like, oh, we need like a palate cleanser to get that out of my head or something now. So, yeah, I agree. That was not one of my favorites. Um, but that was a really good number four. I like that. Um, my number four is just super short. Is this this probably should have uh, been a note instead of in my top five? But because I laughed, um, because it's such a relatable thing that I say all the time. The mantra that gets me through my darkest days. Brittany got through two thousand seven though, right? <laughs> so, I I said, this is just, you just got to allow me. I'm sorry, guys, that's everyone that's listening to this. Um, you know, just allow me this one to kind of go off, um, off the side just a little bit. Um, that's something I say a lot. Um, I am a Britney fan. Okay. I've been a Britney fan when my daughter was, um, in elementary school, that's, you know, was Britney's heyday. Uh Um, so I listened to a lot of Britney when my kid was little, and oh god, I'm really aging myself right now. Am I just pretend you didn't hear any of that, guys? But anyway, heard a lot of Britney. I was always thought she was super cute. Yeah, she made some questionable decisions, had some things in her life that was kind of crazy. Um, and then yeah, 2007 happened, and I was there for it. And I was one of those like rooting for her. So uh, and I still root for her, and I love how she has come through the other side because that girl went through some shit, yeah. um, and she came out strong the other side. And I say that. A, not a lot because I don't have terrible days every day, but I mean, when I'm really having one of those terrible, terrible days, terrible weeks, something like is really is horrible. That is something. And this is, this just helps me guys. Everybody's got a thing, right? That helps them get through their days, a phrase or something that they look to affirmations or something that is mine. Brittany got through 2007. <laughs> I'm going to use that. And then that. I just, I, I, I just think about that. I'm like, and if you guys don't know, if you don't know anything about Britney Spears and what she went through in 2007, it doesn't take a very hard Google search um, if you don't know. But most people know because it was like splashed yeah. all over. That was like um, paparazzi of her coming out of the car and then her shaved head. and Yeah, and she was just kind of bouncing up and down sunset and they got the video of her shaving her head getting a tattoo. She's, um, after she shaved her head, she was like hitting paparazzi's car with an umbrella. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it was just terrible, that girl, what she went through in that year. And I thought, you know. Well, she would have probably she, been what, like 26 Gosh, she, at that yeah, point? Yeah. I don't honestly don't remember her exact age, but she was very early twenties. You know, yeah. she was like 16, 17 when she got started in the business. That's a lot. Well, probably Earlier than that, because she was in the Mickey Mouse Club. So she probably would have been like 13 or 14. Well, yeah. When she was in the Mickey Mouse Club, yeah, she was a lot younger. I was thinking more of her like, you know, big pop solo career. You know, when she broke out with, um, you know, Baby One More Time. I remember. Still love that. I know all the boys do in that Catholic (laughs) school uniform, right? So, hey, it's a hot video and it's a great song. Like I said, I love Britney. I'm not sure how much older she is than me. 
But I mean, like you look at her now, like she's she's doing Vegas shows. She's like in ridiculous shape. I can't remember who it was. She's in better shape now than I think when she when she oh, yeah. started. Like and that's she after is ripped. Two kids. Two kids. Yeah. Um, but I remember somebody talking. She was on some like late night show, and she was in like a like a crop top or like a bikini top kind of thing. So she just did a she did she did a song and then sat on the couch and whoever was talking about her um, said like she was sitting up and kind of leaning over. And even as, I mean, as a guy, like I don't do that because even if you're in decent shape, when you bend mm-hmm. over, it's going to, it's going to look like you're disgusting. Yeah. Um, and she was like, nope, like no ounce of body fat whatsoever. But. She's super tight. So yeah, I got to give it to her of how much she has come out the other side. She had quite a long road of recovery and, um, and, and things that she went through. So I know that that is totally unrelatable to this particular thing. I thought it was a little bit interesting that, you know, when when we see Beck in the parking lot of, of this motel as she's getting dropped off and she uses that phrase. And, and at this time, we don't know yet that this is her dad. We just, you know, we're thinking this is a sugar daddy hookup that, you know, her sugar daddy's want her to himself for the weekend. And, you know, she's clearly not thrilled about it. And she throws this out. And I'm like, gosh, damn, what are you getting ready to go yeah. through? Because that, like I said, is something I use when I'm having like a really terrible struggle. It's not a little, you know, throwaway line for me. Like, oh, well, Brittany can get through 2007. I can get through anything. <laughs> you know, it's usually like, oh, this is a pretty dark day for me or pretty dark time or something terrible that I really do kind of think about. Um, it is kind of, you know, hokey and jokey-ish a little bit. Um, it's not really a word, but, um, and I, and I get people are probably like totally rolling their eyes at me for that, but I just thought that that was funny. I thought it was relatable and I thought, um, I'm just going to talk about it just for a moment. So thanks everyone for kind of allowing me to go off on a little bit of a sidetrack there about (laughs) my little secret mantra. I'll sometimes (laughs) when I'm having a really terrible, um, tough time is I remind myself that people have it a lot harder in life. Um, and if I, if they can get through that, and that's, it's not really specific to Brittany. It's kind of just a reminder of how terrible, you know, other people have it. It's like, you think you've got it really bad in this moment and you probably do not to excuse the validity of whatever situation you're going through, but there's almost always someone out there that has it a lot rougher, um, and a tougher time than what you're having. So that sometimes can help you get through what you're currently going through. And that's kind of the reasoning behind why I like that so much. Yeah. I like that. I mean, it's kind of like, I always have the thought of like, no matter how bad today is, there's always been a day that's probably been worse, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a day that's definitely better. Right. So it's Just always a reminder. That, yeah. But I think like we talked about the Britney Spears stuff. So I think this is a great time for us to announce our new podcast. We're going to be doing, it's <gasps> called baby one more time, a look, an in-depth look at the life and times of Britney Spears. So look for that on your I We're can't not. wait. <laughs> I can't really wait. That. Brittany, Brittany, all the time. My kid, my kid might actually listen to that one. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's we could, uh, yeah, we could make the trip out to Vegas and watch her show, maybe. See, that is where my kid will get on board. She, um, I've been trying to get out. I don't know if Brittany still does her show or not. I don't I know if it she ended. Still was, but I could be wrong. 
I can't remember. I keep thinking that it got renewed or something. And I keep trying to like make our way out to Vegas so I can take her. We went to see Guns N' Roses. Um, it'll be two years ago this April when um, Guns N' Roses started their tour and they went to Coachella and then they opened in Vegas to begin their States tour nice. um, two years ago. And it was, um, I won't say for which birthday, but it was my birthday, first trip to Vegas and the first time ever seeing Guns N' Roses in concert. So it was a huge trifecta moment for me. So I thought I would try to return the favor and she got to be there with me for it which was super cool um so i'd love to return that um to her and take her to vegas to see britney um because that would be super cool but anyway she that she might be on board for that you know she has she doesn't d- dig this whole podcast thing that i do <laughs> and she thinks i am so stupid for for doing it and doesn't get it at all but i bet if i did a britney one she might like it but anyway, that was my number four. Um, what's your number three? You kind of talked about it just a little bit, but I bet you didn't get all your thoughts out. Yeah, I got most of them. I mean, it was just kind of the story of her father. And I think uh, I don't really have much else to say on it, but still, it's just kind of an interesting, like I said, the path they took you down. And then even kind of seeing everything he's gone through. And he still seemed kind of reluctant to fully get in. Like when he was with her, it seemed like he still had some guilt of what he did. And even mm-hmm. guilt of what he's currently doing. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of curious if this guy's going to come back into this or if it's just kind of a one-time deal. Because it sounds like he's kind of cutting her off completely. So is their relationship going to kind of get renewed now that it's not on money? Or is he kind of going to be completely out of the picture? I know. It would be interesting because I, I didn't leave. I, I did <sighs> – it felt so unfinished when they're outside at that gazebo having that little heart-to-heart. You know, she's like – I mean, I feel like that's a pretty big statement. If, if if my child told me, I tell people that you're dead, um, and clearly, I mean, he he's not. He's even on Facebook, but yeah. her, but nobody really goes to look for him to validate when she tells people that her dad's dead. Nobody really does a too hard of a Facebook search or anything to try to find him because he's out there. Um, and I mean, with the with the mommy blogger. Uh, you know, he's, it's not like they're hiding out there and it seems such a final moment that I don't know, it, it would be kind of nice to see if, if we see the, it come back around. I mean, I don't know, I guess that would be too happy of an ending for this. Yeah. I don't know that the story is really going to ha- you know, have a happy ending. Yeah, so, I think so I think it's probably too clean and it's probably just more real to leave it at, as it is, but it was kind of sad just to see how, you know, he didn't seem that interested in really just making things right with her or her siblings. Well, I think that's probably like, like him. I mean, I'm sure he, he had a lot of guilt for obviously her finding him in the state he did. Mm-hmm. Now he's at a point he's got some money. So it's kind of like I'm paying for the guilt. And now my wife has said basically that I can no longer, I don't have to feel guilty anymore because I've fulfilled that debt, even though mm-hmm. that's, that's a debt you can never repay in money. Yeah. And so like that last check, I think is a symbol of like, here's the last, you know, bit of guilt I have being given away and I basically either will no longer see each other because I think you only want me for the money at least that's the way I'm going to think of it because then I can completely write you out of my life like you've written me out of your life Mm -hmm. and then just move on Um, but yeah like you said hopefully this comes back to be a better story but I think this is probably kind of a one-shot deal where we just kind of see her backstory and that's kind of the end of it right yeah I think that you're you're probably right Oh, yeah. What'd you have for your number three? My number three, I thought that it was kind of what I liked about Peach um, this episode. And I haven't found a lot to like about her. So I thought it was um, 
poignant that I talk about something I did like, and that was her encouragement of Beck. Um, it kind of surprised me that she actually reads what Beck writes, and she encouraged her to write fresh. Stop killing puppies, <laughs> as <Yeah>. she tells her. <laughs> Thought that was, I'm like, exactly. Um, that's exactly what she needs to do. And I like when she tells her, she says, you know, there's so much more inside of you. And I thought that, that this moment between them, you know, was was pretty genuine. I, you know, I have given just like Beck, you know, Peach a lot of peaches. I'm going to call her peaches like Joe does. Um, <laughs> I've given her a lot of crap too for just her attitude and how she, she acts and stuff because I don't find her to be very genuine or authentic. And I don't like when people aren't genuine or authentic. And... I don't feel that Peach acts that way. So I felt like though in this moment that she, because I think that Peach feels a lot more for Beck than just friendship or as far as best friends. So I feel like this is her, you know, really trying to, you know, encourage her and tell her that just to be the best that you can and stop worrying about, you know, this writing group that you're in, you know, because we know that she feels really, Beck feels really, really inferior to Blythe. Um, and she's really upset about that, uh, the story that she she wrote and how no one really liked it or appreciated it. And Peach is like, well, I liked it, um, you know, and she's trying to bring out more of her. Um, so I like that moment. Um Although I don't know, we'll get more of those, but I like I liked that. Do you have any thoughts about that particular moment between them? No, I I completely agree. It definitely. I don't know if I really noticed it at first until you kind of mentioned it, but this was definitely a moment where you kind of saw her like playing with her hair a little bit more, a little bit more mm-hmm. deeper conversation. Um, I guess uh, from my perspective, like guys don't really do that, like. Richard yeah. and I have never had like a deep conversation where he's played with my hair or ran his hands <laughs> through my beard. Well, that's not what I've heard. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but I know he's into me and I'm into him, so it's okay. Of course. Well, it is it is a bromance, right? <laughs> but I know uh, I know a lot of girls are more like they more touchy with each other and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like there's not like a it's not like a sexual thing as much mm-hmm. as it is, I think, with guys. And so whenever I see shows or stuff like that, like I instantly don't try to think like, you know, oh my gosh, they're into each other. One, because I think I've trained myself, so I don't like, oh, <laughs> they're going to do it. <laughs> so you've um, matured a little bit, not assuming that yeah, all girls well, are having this lesbian <laughs> relationship. I've just buried it deep, deep down and only <laughs> let it out when I'm alone in a hotel room. <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> But but yeah, I think it's 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 interesting to see where that's going. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool to see that support from somebody because I mean I think I said it last time like supporting an artist is like very easy and minimal and like just a pat on the back or even just reading something somebody does is such a like you know great thing because all that stuff you do in the confines of your own mind and your own computer and, and she's in school so she can kind of have some people read it but you know when you're outside of that just having somebody look at it and be like oh my gosh yeah this is good or you should do this or you know mm-hmm. validate what you do is is a pretty big deal yeah and we know that we still don't know that relation that she has yet but we know that peach in some form uh, has a relation to jd salinger That's true. who was a fantastic author right so it's like what does does she have some of that within her that she, that's how she knows to kind of nurture, you know, Beck's writing or, you know, something that she can recognize if she's reading something of Beck's and she can see the talent that she has because of, you know, the relation. It's like in her genes, in her blood or something, you know, through that, that she's able to see that. So 
thought that was kind of a nice little moment. I think it definitely still hints at the fact that Peach is very much into Beck and loves her, um, but doesn't let it go past that at this moment anyway. She's still not into Joe and doesn't like, you know, her being, um, uh, you know, Beck being into Joe. But um, I really liked, liked that she, because I bet none of her other friends are really reading her stuff. No, so yeah, I, bet, I agree. You know, yeah. I feel like that, that I think is what kind of, to me, meant more in that moment. So anyway, that's my number three. What's your like number it. two? So my number two is simply just a superpower. And you're asking, Sean, there's no Avengers in this show. Like, what superpowers are you talking about? And the superpower I want to talk about is Joe's superpower as he is getting ready to get it on with Beck is able to walk all through that house or apartment of his Mm -hmm. and grab and hide every piece of evidence that shows that he's been stalking this woman. And it's interesting that, like, you know, when she showed up at his door – the first thought isn't like, oh, my God, like, she's into me. It's, oh, fuck, I've got her underwear sitting here. I've got her journal. I've got her phone. Like, uh, okay, like, what am I going to do here? It's like when you get caught watching porn. You're kind of like, uh, no, I was, uh, it's, uh, it's not porn. It's, 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 uh, it's Cam. Rima made me watch this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, it was just kind of, it was, it's it shows you know so I guess to back up so one of the complaints I have right now with this show is I feel like they're making Joe out to be like this is the first time he's ever like killed somebody this is like the first time he stalks somebody mm-hmm. but he has a lot of these skills that I don't think you can just accidentally stumble upon and not get caught so quick like he's he's a schemer for sure mm-hmm. you know he's able to hide all these things and in the end of this we find out that he snuck into Peach's apartment to put the book back. Yeah. Now I'm if if Joe's like kind of like what you would say like in my state of like stalkerness, like if that's what the show's saying, like he's never stalked before, so the first time he's done it. There's no way I could sneak into somebody's house with them there and not get caught. <laughs> I just don't think it's you don't, possible. You don't you don't think he's just got a knack for it? Like, man, I Maybe. am a natural born stalker. Yeah. <laughs> I got this shit. It's like in I'm high school when you're this. talking to your guidance counselor. It's like, so how how are you about peeking around and people not noticing? Well, I'm pretty good. Have you thought about stalking? Well, no, but that seems like a very <laughs> interesting career choice. It's a career choice for you. Here's a brochure. <laughs> but uh, it was just intriguing to me that he was able to, like, we, we've seen his ability to do other things really well, but I think this was just kind of proving that fact even more that this guy knows what he's doing. He's probably yeah. done it before. And it just uh, it just interests me so much that I hope we see some of this backstory. Like the, the girlfriend that we get alluded to in the first couple episodes, I want to know what happened there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that, so that's my number two is just really that superpower he has. I like it. And, and it was, it was, he definitely, it was kind of hilarious as, you know, Beck is totally just groping him like crazy in the doorway there. And his, his eyes are open in that panic moment. And he, you can see how he's spotting each mm-hmm. thing. And then he's like, okay, I'm taking control. And then he totally choreographs, yeah. you know, the whole sequence to grab all of those things and hide them, you know, and she's 
completely distracted at that point, you know, at that point and who wouldn't be. Um, and she doesn't have any reason to be suspicious of him, you know, at all. He seemed to, you know, have an explanation for just about everything. Anytime any little moment of his, you know, stalking, uh, has come up, you know, he's, ha- he's found a way to kind of, you know, write it off and, and make it make sense. So it, I, I found that quite funny too. Um, and I thought it was quite brazen of him. You know, we saw the phone laying just clearly right on the bed. He took that to Beck's apartment. We saw that in the beginning when he was, you know, after they had just um, had their moment in bed together and she's hiding in the bathroom talking to the captain. And he's like, you know, what? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm like, dude, that was pretty brazen to take her phone back into her apartment. He didn't even change the case on it. It still has that green case on it, you know, that she could easily, if if he leaves it out, accidentally or if it falls out of his pocket yeah. or something I mean, that's the only like thing you can hope for is it falls out and she finds it before like it, she doesn't see it fall out of your pants right because then she's gonna be like oh well here's my phone that's fucking weird exactly so at least change the case or do something to try to make it not so recognizable so if it happens to you know you know how it goes you pick up your jeans off the floor you've left your phone in the pocket and yeah. you know it goes tumbling out so um you know so it's Man. not so easily rec- rec- recognizable does that happen to you a lot sean oh uh, if i had a nickel for every time i'm like <laughs> where the fuck is that thing and you look <laughs> in the same spot like 15 times and all of a sudden it's there mm-hmm uh, I hate, and I hate losing stuff. Like I get stressed out if I can't find something. Oh, totally. Oh, totally. I get obsessed. I, I have. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, I'm not proud. I have a very obsessive type of nature, but it's not, it's used for good mostly, um, and not evil. But yeah, if, if I lose something, I can't find it. I get totally obsessive about it until I, until I find it. Yeah. Well, that's why I always, this is kind of a side note, but that's why I always have like a place for things typically, like things I use on a daily basis, like my keys, I'd put them on the counter or I have a key ring that I put them on right when I get in the door. Mm-hmm. Because what inevitably happens is like the story I'll just, about, I'll tell you, I take the keys and I put them somewhere and I'm like, well, that's a really random spot. I'm probably going to forget where that is. Mm-hmm. And guess what I do? Yep. Story that I have is one time I went to my garage and I put my keys somewhere on my truck. I looked all over, all over, all over. I'm like, where the fuck are these things? Like, I was like, did, did like somebody take them like accidentally? Rima, I put them on my car antenna because I thought, (laughs) hey, if I put them on my car antenna, I will know exactly where they are. Yeah. (laughs) So annoyed. And it's, it's the idea is like, I'm never going to find these things. And like three hours later, you find them. You're like, why the fuck did I do that? I have the perfect gift for you, Sean. I'm going to get this for you. I can't remember the name of it, but I just saw it today. It's one of those things that you um, uh, hook up to your key ring, like to your keys. You yeah, can put it on like probably anything. Thing. Yeah, it's like a GPS thing, or you can ping it and make it beep, things like oh, that. Yeah, that yeah. helps you find your keys or your uh, phone. You can put it on almost anything. Um, put that on every one of the remotes I have. That's no the kidding. That, it's like, where is that thing? And like six months later, it just turns up. I need to put uh, one on my car. Because <laughs> I get to, I go to like Target and I'll forget where I park my car. I'll walk out of the store and I'm like, oh shit, which side of Target? Because some of the bigger Targets have yeah. like these two, you know, they have doors on this side, doors on that side or something. And I'm like, you go out the wrong door that you came in at first. And I'm like, oh shit. And you're totally yeah. disoriented. And I can't remember. I swear one time I can't, this, this was many, many years ago. Um, I swear that I, I so lost my car and I was wandering the parking lot and I couldn't find it. I swear somebody like legit Moved stole it. my car. 
And I was like two minutes from calling the police to say someone (laughs) has stolen my car. I was that much of in a panic. And I was literally circling the parking lot up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, It was terrible. So I need need one for my car. But there are some, the the Waze app has a nice little um, cookie crumb thing that will say, here's where your car is, you know. So when I travel, um, I'll do that. Um, But yeah, I need one for my car. But I'm going to have to get you that. Get you that little... Find My key keys. fob uh, has the where you can lock it, and if you lock mm-hmm. it twice, it'll beep. Your car will yeah. beep. But my key fob's been dead for like two years, and I've been <clears> too oh, lazy shit. to get the battery replaced. So I uh, that that would be how I do it. Though I, I walk out and I just raise my keys up in the air, and go beep beep. There it is. Yeah, right, let's go that way. Well, this was many many years ago, and my car it was um, gosh, it was a two thousand seven Acura Integra. Oh God, I love this car so much. It was like a Fast and Furious car. It was a beautiful <laughs> and it was gorgeous and it was totally souped up and I loved it. It was my baby. Um, so it did not have one of those. It was not, it was oh, before gotcha. all the fan. We I mean I guess you could buy them now. I guess to have them installed, but that was still yeah. kind of before that time, really. And those um, are always kind of like like not really well like they're not really well ones done don't do very well yeah no they don't so it, and it was still kind of early like i said this was some time ago um i still lose my car but this was the one time that i have really legit lost my car now i have a jeep now and it doesn't have the like alarm but it does have like the lights will go off if i oh, hit my nice, my yeah. little fob my lights will go off i have had to do that a couple of times because I lose my car. I'm currently, I've currently lost, this is really stupid. I've lost my wide tooth comb that I <laughs> use when I comb my hair after the shower. I always have like two main places. I'm like you, you have this routine where you put your keys. I have yep. this one to two places that I always put my comb and I have put it in some other spot and now I can't find it. So I'm having to find a, something else to comb my hair and it's just, it's stupid, but it's kind of making me crazy because I'm, I can't find this thing and it's just a stupid comb. I could go buy another one, but I refuse because it's around <laughs> here somewhere. I know. I understand that. Gosh, getting off on all kinds of tangents tonight, combs, yep. cars, keys, Britney Spears. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that, that was, was your number. number yep, that super your number power two? was my number two. I like that superpower. I'll admit, I like Joe's superpower. I think I have a little bit of that myself. You can multitask and you can be a little sneaky. Mm-hmm. I can be a little sneaky. I used to be really good at that as a kid, in my teenage years. <laughs> Some more stories to come. My number two. Uh, my number two is we've kind of talked about it a little bit already. A lot about this new family um, that this dad has. We've talked a lot about this Christian mommy blogger and her no love lost for Beck. You know, especially when she goes accusing um, accuses Beck of using her dad as an ATM. I mean, ouch. I, you know, we know that he pays her phone bill. He paid for her new bed. So that mystery was solved. Yeah. Um, which I know I was harping on that the last episode. Cause I'm like, how the hell is she affording this new bed <laughs> when she's constantly talking about she's broke? She didn't go to like thrifting. She didn't go, you know, just throw her damn mattress on the floor and go buy a cheap headboard if that was a big deal. Um, so anyway, that mystery was solved at how she's getting some of these other things paid for her. Um, but I don't know. That sounded kind of harsh coming from this stepmommy of hers accusing uh, Beck of using her dad as an ATM. Because I don't know. Maybe her dad didn't pay child support. Oh, yeah. Oh, something. yeah. There's, you know, maybe he didn't. You know, yeah. Like there I could mean, have been 18 years where he didn't uh, like help her, help her her mom at all. Right. We know that Beck was 12 when she found her dad 
um, OD'd in the basement. And sometime after that, he had uh, left and abandoned uh, the family. I'm guessing, I don't know. I'm just kind of going off an assumption that she's the oldest. I don't know. Yeah, that seems Um, to be. What, what you mean my guess too? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there was a little bit of an indication in in that. I don't a hundred percent know for sure, but we know she has two other siblings. I'm guessing she's the oldest, but I don't know. So I don't know. Maybe he didn't pay child support or help with any expenses. So why can't he later on uh, help his his kids with some expenses if he's missed out on however many years of um, you know, helping with cost of raising them. She was at Brown, she said, whenever he looked her up and mm. offered to help her pay for school and just help with some of her other expenses. That is my guess, because you mentioned it earlier that it's like he's using um, money as, you know, a way to kind of appease his guilt over yeah. abandoning his family, which is a pretty typical story, in, you know, in, in a way. And like I said, I, I've been through a similar situation. I think that's probably why this particular episode kind of triggered me just a little bit um, at, and how it pissed me off with this new wife of, well, she didn't look too new, um, but this wife of his and this new family that he's building um, and that, you know, she's like, well, that's all that you use your dad for is an ATM. And it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, I've had the same thing said to me and I'm like, you know, that's completely false. Um, I will not go into a deep dive because uh, nobody wants to hear my story or anything. Um, and I'm sure there are other people with very similar stories, but it's, um, you know, I don't know that she's the one asking him for money. It seems like she just takes his money to allow him um, to not feel so guilty um, and she's, and she knows that, okay, if he's given me money, that means I have to go see him. That's kind of how she, it, when she's kind of giving her thoughts in the beginning, she's like, oh, I have to, you know, that that's kind of the deal is I take the money, but because of that, I have to go see him. I have to, I can't just take the money and just say thanks and move yeah. on. Um, so I don't know. And I think that it, it kind of shows a lot also into the relationship between those two as to how much they communicate or how much he's in touch with the rest of the family. Cause when they're walking around that festival and he says, how's your mom? Um, she's like, well, she's actually on a cruise, but she's great. And then in her inner thoughts, she says riddled with anxiety, low self-esteem on antidepressants, dating men, so safe and boring. She must want to scream. Uh, but don't worry you you abandoning her didn't scar her at all. Um, and I just kind of laughed at that because I'm like, well, how true is that? You know, yeah. how much damage was was done by that? And he then asks about your brother. How's he doing? Um, and then on, she says, Anya, too. They seem happy, according to Facebook. So it sounds like that even she may not have much of a relationship with her family if she's like, well, according to Facebook, they seem happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like that there's just a lot happening here that um, – really broke this family with these events that happened. And it just, it makes me really sad, the dynamic. Um, And again, like what you were saying earlier, like that moment that they had, and this looks like to be like a one and done kind of thing. I don't know that we're going to see her dad again. And it's kind of sad that he just, I get the fact that like, okay, you got a baby coming. You got to think, be mindful of expenses. You know, babies cost a lot of money, but, and I'm not saying he has to spend the money with his, with to bet because it's not really you know I bet she could give two shits about the money she, I know she needs it but you know what kids really want from you and this doesn't change no matter how old you are and that's your time oh yeah <laughs> you know? well, it's, it's keeping that connection there I mean that's that's keeping that door open and if he doesn't give her any money he's probably cutting her off from any kind of opportunity to talk with him yeah um yeah and it's yeah I, I I've never been in that situation. I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's 
good that I have it because I know it's, it's just I just imagine how rough it has to be. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, and I don't know, maybe he, he does want her more a little in his life because he did ask her about Christmas. He's like, oh, what about Christmas in Vermont? She's like, oh, I have to get back with you. Um, it'd be interesting to see if that ever comes to fruition. You know, I don't know if that if the show will, will go that far or not, but, um, you know, I, I just don't know. I just don't know if he's coming from a genuine place of really wanting yeah. to spend time with her or if he's just doing it because he feels like he has to. So. That's that's so terrible too because you think like he was the toxic piece that kind of scarred that family, but yet he's the one that's kind of coming out on the the brighter side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a what looks to be a perfect family, and he's got a new kid on the way. But you know, her mom is scarred, like you said, because she's not going to try and find somebody who might be a little dangerous because that she doesn't want to go through that again. Exactly, the kids are all messed up. I guess you know yeah. we know we can see. I mean. <laughs> Everybody's kind of, uh, like Joe says, everybody's kind of a hot mess to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, we're all kind of got our own little issues and things that we deal with that make us a mess. But, um, you know, so I think that Beck comes out on top, you know, versus a lot of folks that go through that type of situation with with a parent that is into drugs and ODs and, you know, and that she's the one that found him, you know, and she, you know, kind of came out the other side of that. I think it, it, her situation could be worse, but, you know, you still don't get over the fact that you get abandoned by a parent and that they you know, kind of see their other family is super cool and you and your family are just like, eh. And the fact that it's like you said, I didn't get, did he, you know, is they're talking at the t- at dinner and she's talking about, you know, you were a really good sailor, dad. Did he just not want to remember that? Or is he choosing, did he just forget because he was on drugs? Yeah, that's what know? I don't know. It seems like it's, it's kind of, I don't want to bring that up because that makes my wife mad because it takes, it takes it's, me it's back a part to, of yeah, his old life. Past. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because she seemed to interlude there with, you know, well, how's life in the city, dear? You know, like, we're not going to talk about when we're not going to reminisce and allow your dad to have memories of, you know, when you guys were a family, you know, here we are his family. This is where it's at now. We're not going to talk about, you know, what it was like when you guys were a family. So I don't know where that was. I know that was a shitty thing from the stepmom's part, but I didn't quite understand you know, from the dad's side, was he really, mm-hmm. truly just doesn't remember because maybe he was on and off drugs or did he just like, oh, I don't want to talk about it because it's going to make his new wife upset and because he knows she doesn't want to talk about it. So I don't know. Just thought that was interesting. But that's anyway, that's something my... we won't ever know, too, because like I said, this is probably the last <laughs> time we'll see him. I have a feeling of that, too. I, I'm in agreement with you. I don't think we're going to really know for sure. So anyway, that's my number two. I kind of rambled a little bit, talked a little bit more about um, what you'd already talked about. But what is your Number one. I can't wait. My number one, we've kind of touched on a little bit, but I think we've discovered that the next challenge for Joe is going to be peaches. (laughs) Uh, 100%. Yeah. So he kind of alludes that there's going to be a challenge there because he's kind of seen that, you know, first off she comes and interrupts their first kind of date time. Um, There's this whole like bed bugs thing that she's saying she has. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if Joe planted the bed bugs or if this is another – Another one of her like, oh, my God, no, I have this condition. Um, it's like, but I saw you doing Jaeger shots at your party. They're <laughs> vegan sh- Jaeger, Jaeger bombs. Exactly. I think that's a thing. Um, so I'm kind of curious. Like, We know that's where everything's kind of leading to at this point. So mm-hmm. you, you talk about like the big bad of this season for Joan. I think it's going to end up being peaches. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't think this future bodes well for peaches um i'm with you that's also my number one or at least in the same cosmos here is um what you were talking about and that was bed bugs um 
I was thinking that too. I was like, did Joe sneak into her apartment and leave her a yeah. bed bug? Because how hilarious is that? I mean, she seemed to. I don't know. We know that, yeah, I feel like she's probably, uh, if she truly has a condition, she might have a, a, a true condition. I don't know. I do think that if she does, she totally used it, um, you know, to interrupt Joe and Beck in the last episode. Yeah. Um, and kind of, you know, exaggerated her, um, you know, if she was having symptoms, she, you know, kind of over exaggerated them uh, for that moment. Um, so I don't know. She she did yell at that um, inspector guy and it's like, well, what about the twenty two bites on my ass? You know, <laughs> do you um, want to see the twenty two bites on my ass? He's like, uh, <laughs> he yes. probably wanted to say yes. Yeah, <laughs> is that a trick question? Um, so yeah, I thought the same thing. Did he leave bed bugs at her place? Um, so we know that he did take that book, Ozma of Oz. He gives it to Paco. Um, he finishes it. He takes it out of his hiding place. Um, and then he takes it back to Peach's apartment. Did I think it was a really bad idea, and I want to get your thoughts on this, that he left the book in its original place. Peach was standing right there and even showed Beck how that, you know, like you could see the slot in the bookcase yeah. where she had the whole series of books, and you could see where that particular book was missing. And so, you know, she even noted it. She had Beck there. And then it shows up in the exact same place. Wouldn't it have been smarter to leave it somewhere else in her apartment, like under the couch, behind a cushion? I don't know, somewhere where it would have just been like, oh, look, somebody took it off the bookshelf, was maybe looking at it, reading it, and just left it lying here, and it got shoved under something, you know, like under a bed or under an ottoman or something, instead of leaving it in the same exact place. Because to me, that makes it even more obvious that he took it and brought it back. Yeah, or at least which, somebody took it. Right, or but, somebody took it. Yeah, and I mean, that could be, like, he could be legit trying to play a game with her. You know, like, maybe he is the one that put the bed bugs there, and maybe him putting that books back, like, you know. He's fucking I, with her, yeah, and he's making I, it known. Yeah, uh, you have bed bugs now. Where do you think those came from? And, oh, yeah, <laughs> that book that you thought I stole? Well, now it's back. So uh -huh. I obviously was in your house when you didn't know about it, because you haven't had a party since then. That's true. Yeah, I just I didn't know his motivation behind that. I just think that um I thought, well, if you just want to make make your like throw suspicion off of you, um which I know that she seems to kind of jump to to Joe, you know, constantly cuz she's kind of picking on him cuz she doesn't like where Beck's feelings are going for for Joe at all. Um so she's kind of picking on him. Anybody in that party could have taken the damn book. Yeah, that's it didn't for have sure. to be Joe. Um but I think that if if you have been accused of taking something, if you want to throw suspicion off, uh, then you're not going to put it back in the exact same place because that's where the person you know already knows they're looking for it. They know it's not there in that spot. I would have put it somewhere else. I would have yeah, you know kicked it under smart. a chair or something. Yeah, put it under a chair with like one of the the sides of it sticking out. So like yeah, when she goes back, she's like, oh, there it is. Exactly. Um, like somebody was reading it. But I mean, it. he mentioned in last episode, like people are dumb because they'll believe anything that fits their uh, vision of the world. Yeah. So, I mean, even if Peaches is like, oh my God, it was in the exact spot that we both looked at and it wasn't there. And it's like, well, we might've just, we must've just missed it. Like, obviously mm -hmm. nobody's going to sneak in your house and put it back there. Cause nobody's going to think that it's like when, when she went to his apartment, you know, you're know, like, well, why didn't she see her book or her phone or her underwear? Mm -hmm. If you go to somebody's apartment, you're not going to expect your stuff to be there. Right. Like that would be the last thing that like the first time Tiffany and I hook up, I go there and like my favorite pair of underwear is there. Like I would not <laughs> expect that. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, 
that's true. That's true. You kind of just explain it. It's just like he was able to explain it away. I have this in my notes when he shows up at that festival and she's like, Beck asks Joe, how did you know I was here? And he's like, oh, well, you posted a nature shot this morning. Um, he says, see that little restaurant sign in the background? He said, apparently Pops and Millie's ain't a chain. And so he Googled it and then found out about the festival. Yeah. So and he's kind of telling her that he's stalking her to an exactly. extent. Exactly. He's, he's, he's kind of telling the truth without going telling yeah. too much of the truth. He's like, yeah, I kind of stalk you a little bit, but it's in a harmless way and it's not too creepy. And we don't we all really kind of do that, though, don't yeah, we? Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, to an extent, we see things in people's social media posts and you're like, I know where that's at, or yeah. I think that looks familiar, or what is that? And you kind of Google it and you find out. I mean, Although, and uh, after like it hanging is out for creepy. a week or two, that'd be kind of weird. But it I mean, is. but he had a good, it's like, I just didn't want, because it'd be a very guy thing. It's like, I didn't want your first impression of me to be that eight second sex. Like I want it to be, you know, I want it to be actually what I can do kind of thing. So I can yeah. kind of get that a little bit. And, um, but still, I do. it's a legit reason. He doesn't want to leave that as, yeah. that's not how I want you to remember me is yeah. this, this not so awesome moment that we, that we had. <laughs> Cause yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't awesome. It wasn't good. They were really giving him shit about that too, with the whole, you know, um, you know, oh, my dick's been, uh, you know, brought down to like emoji, whatever it is, food emojis, you know, and just, you know. But um, I mean, I can see if you had that situation happen to be able to know that like she was still going to give you one more shot, you wouldn't have to play that like, okay, is she, isn't she game? Because that would be pretty stressful. It's like, is she really going to think that's all I can do? Yeah. Or, you know, it's like, oh, sweet. Like she actually, she actually wants to try this thing again. So. Yeah, no kidding. You know, and she and really, you shouldn't write off a guy so easy for that. I mean, you got to kind of give him. I think that if that's your first time together, you got to kind of give him yeah. the benefit of the doubt. Um, that yes, sometimes it happens. He's young, so most really young guys are usually raring to go in about another ten minutes. Yeah, if you can yeah. kind of get past it, give the guy a little bit of re-energizing time. Yeah. Let him prove himself. Let him go come round back around. Two. Yeah. Exactly. Go round two. Give him a chance to make <laughs> up for that. I, you know, I'm I'm all about second chances. So <laughs> let's give Joe another chance. Um, but anyway, well, that was my number one too. Um, that kind of going with yours. Did you have anything else that you want to say about um, the ending there with bed bugs and books? No. Nope. And- I think we kind of covered a bunch of that. I don't really have any notes either. So if you have any notes, feel free to throw those out. <laughs> Like the only other thing, I know we talked a little bit about, I just found it really gross. I just have to say again, I got to back up again to, you know, we think that she's having this sugar daddy moment um, and she goes to buy this outfit and we know that it's from a lingerie store because Joe is like stalking this whole sequence of events on her phone and sees that she's went shopping, you know, at this lingerie store. And I'm like, And that's fine if that's what you're going to go do this sugar daddy weekend or whatever. And I mean, that's fine. But to find out that it was really to go see your dad to hang out at this Dickens festival um, just didn't, it seemed so out of place and it just seemed gross. I don't know. Her dad, the look on her dad's face was priceless though when she comes out with that. And he's kind of like, it's kind of resourceful though. I mean, she's got that and she can use it, you know, the next time her and Joe hang out. It's true. I guess you're going to get more mileage out of that outfit versus like one of those, you know, yeah. old, like the type of uh, costume that her stepmother had or whatever. Because yep. you can only do it once a year for that. And then during uh, Comic Cons, when you cosplay as Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. There you go. 
Yeah, just it was just kind of icky. Just some yeah, of this just left me feeling icky because I'm like, and then when she does use that comment, I'm just well, if you're gonna yeah. you know whore yourself out, then you might as well dress like one. And I'm yeah. thinking, you know, now that you know that that's her dad, it was still kind of a gross statement. It just ugh. It just yeah, it, I still it go back to the out. the last line she said before they hooked up is like girls with daddy issues. Yeah, it was like, mm. Mm. yeah, leaves a bad that's, taste uh, in your mouth, doesn't it? Well, let's let's go see somebody and talk about this. <laughs> In a non-sexual way. <laughs> exactly. It's like, how about we go listen to some music or something? <laughs> get a nice palate cleanser. Um, I really like that. I think we covered a lot of that. I can't wait to see what happens next. I think it's getting a little bit more interesting now that we're getting a little bit more um, backstory to both of um, the characters. So, um, so we'll move along. We have some feedback for this week. Um, so I'll take this first one here. This is from Jillian Moreau. Uh, She says, I really enjoyed this episode. I'm glad we got the explanation as to how Beck was able to afford the brand new bed in that swanky furniture shop. I like the twist of being led to believe that she's got a side gig with the sugar daddy type guy. And we learn it's really just her daddy daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I feel for her dad a little as it seems he's really trying. Beck was a bit harsh with him, but at the same time, I guess it's expected given his past and the way he treated her all these years. She clearly has some jealousy over the fact that her stepmother and stepsister get to have the real family that she never had uh, with him at home. The fact that his wife is trying to completely cut her off seems a bit much, but again, I feel like the show does a decent job of making us feel a bit for both sides. Joe's creep factor keeps steadily climbing that barometer, but it's so fun to watch. The series has been great and captivating so far, and I'm loving watching it, even more so because you guys are covering it. Talk soon and keep up the great work, guys. Thanks, Jill. All right, next one comes from Don Elizabeth. So I am loving listening to your podcast of you. I've already watched all 10 episodes, but like hearing you discuss it. I almost stopped watching because this show is so disturbing, but I stuck with it. I'm glad I did. And oh my God, I laughed so hard at the end of the episode three when Sean finished early. (laughs) I thought something went wrong with the download. Ha ha ha. Well, I'm glad that this is one of the only times I have had somebody laugh at me finishing early. (laughs) It's okay. We haven't heard any stories from Tiffany. It's all good. She's been... um, a complete lady about it hasn't told us anything. <laughs> that was, I still, still laugh about that. That was really good. If you guys didn't listen to the last one, please go do so. Um, make, make you laugh till you cry. Um, we had a last minute addition to the uh, feedback for this week. This is from Doug Fick, good friend of the show. Um, he says, is it me or did Joe's orgasm voice sound like he had some bad sushi and was about to hurl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, just yeah. a little. Um, and then he says, with the bun. Um, yeah, with the bun. <laughs> With the bun. Um, apparently, Joe has a stalker cap for all occasions casual, formal, and of course, a Dickens <laughs> festival. <laughs> it's really good. Joe, as the artful dodger, he gave away one of his stalker tricks by telling Beck how he found out about the fair. I think I like Peach now. She's the one interesting character in this episode. I think they spoiled the Captain T's too soon. Still waiting for the jaw dropper. Oh, that was really good. Oh, you guys. 
Um, thank you guys so much for the feedback. You guys always keep me laughing. I love your insight. We're so glad that you are enjoying our coverage of it as much as what we enjoy uh, talking about it. And we appreciate everyone taking the time to write in um, every week because, hey, we're all busy and taking those few minutes to write us in really, really means a lot to us. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. All right, so next week we'll be covering the fifth episode. We're almost halfway done with the show. Yay! Uh, from Netflix TV show You, titled Living with the Enemy. So the description for this episode is a woman goes out on a boat and jumps off to trick her abusive husband. Oh, wait, that's the hmm. Julie Roberts movie. Oh, sorry. Sleeping with the Enemy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for our show, it's a, a video from Annika's past comes back to haunt her. Joe and Peach's simmering tension boils over when Peach introduces Beck to a major literary agent. Ooh, the drama. Yeah. Well, we are really excited for you to follow us into the book basement. Uh, but until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Stranger TCast. You can check us out on Instagram at Strange underscore Indeed underscore pod. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. And you can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like House Podcastica, which I believe somebody from the show will be guesting on for the Battle of the Bastards episode. Oh, so jealous. And I was oh, telling you that. I'm so just, excited. Oh, I was telling you that prior to before we hit the record button tonight that I'm so jealous that you get to cover that. But I'm so excited to listen to you and Kristen. Yeah, I'm pumped. Oh my gosh, a fantastic episode. So guys, definitely check out. We'll definitely um, put that out on our social media and share it once it is released after you guys record because um, that's going to be a great one. You guys are going to be great. Yeah, and make sure if you got some time, we'd love for you to go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed and House Podcastica and all the other great podcasts on podcastgot.com on Apple Podcast. Yeah, and make sure to check out Sean. Gosh, Sean, you're all over the place. I know. Um, all these podcasts. So make sure you check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. And uh, I don't plea for you guys to listen to The Language of Bromance too much, but uh, I'm going to plea for you guys to check it out this Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be uh, the 18th, I think. It's basically the Sunday after this comes out, episode 243. Um, I am doing my ode to my wife, Tiffany. So if you want to kind of hear um, how we met and kind of the, the different things and hear me gush over her for about an hour, um, I'd love for you to check that out and for, for you to kind of throw her some love as well about how great and amazing of a wife she is so that will come out this sunday oh you're you're getting me all emotional that's such a sweet thing to say i think that sounds absolutely lovely um that you guys are doing that for your valentine's day specials everyone should do that everybody should just like record how awesome their spouses oh, yeah. are for valentine's day i'm i'm a big fan of like that's why i like doing these podcasts is you know get your voice on record with somebody you love like i've done an episode with my dad mm -hmm. um and it's just great to have that audio record of those conversations so yeah and that's kind of why we did this as kind of a we don't do too many what we call like journal entry mm -hmm. episodes but that's what these are so you know 20 years down the road you know we can listen to that and be like see yeah exactly that's super awesome yeah make sure to check that out guys all right well that's our show episode 77 the captain until next time i'm rima and I'm Sean. And Elizabeth Lawson is strange indeed. <laughs>